1: I see it. Hi, and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host Jamar. Today is episode 68, and we're going to be interviewing Amy M. How are you doing today, Amy?
0: I'm fantastic. How about you?
1: I'm doing well. Looking forward to our interview. How you, you excited?
0: I am excited. Absolutely. Love to Thank help you. other people.
1: Good. Let's dive in here. Tell me about growing up.
0: Um, growing up, I was a um, the baby of four kids, so I was not expected, actually. And um, my mom always told me I was the best unexpected present, present she could ever get. Uh-huh. Um, but nevertheless, that was good. Um, I had a good childhood because... I didn't know any different, but my mom was sick my entire childhood from the time I was born until the time she died, which was 18 years. So all I'd ever known was having a sick mom, but when she died, um, I knew that I didn't accept her death because at 18, back in 1990s, we didn't talk about that kind of stuff. So I basically grew up with taking care of my mom the whole time with sibling and and my father's support of course too but I was the one at home that you know got the most of everything because I was the one there
1: did it affect you with school and all that
0: yeah um I thankfully always knew what kind of a career I wanted and I wanted to be a nurse and that's what I am now so I'm a registered nurse I've been one since 1997 I Actually, graduated high school with um, my certified nurse's uh, degree, and then I went to LPN school, and then it wasn't, you know, much longer. I finally graduated from RN school in '97. So I've been a registered nurse since
1: 1997. It's amazing to me. A lot of people, it's hard to say. Oh, I stuck with my goal from childhood. You don't find a lot of people that say that.
0: No, you really don't. I'm I'm very fortunate, and I have two teenagers that I'm constantly, you know, minding after, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Because everybody needs a career path. I think it's something, regardless of the skeletons that want to come haunt us, having a good solid career is important. Knowing that you want to go do something every day. That's for me, what's been my, the best thing that could happen for me is just knowing that I want to help other people. So I've done that my whole life this is second nature
1: by being there for your mom so much did it affect your social life with friends
0: um you know looking back I don't think that it did that much um I still had what I figured or felt at the time was a normal childhood um because I didn't know any different you know we didn't have the internet we didn't have cell phones we didn't have um what do you call it Snapchat. So we didn't, you know, I grew up as best as I knew how, which I had a I had a good childhood. It inadvertently um not accepting my mother's death and not having coping skills um at the age of 41 when my addiction came to the full full head, that's probably when I realized the most what my childhood had actually done to me and how it had affected me. And it really boiled down to not having coping skills. So I had my grandma die. Then four weeks later, my mom died. Then less than a year later, my other grandma died. So I how had- How old were
1: you when this happened?
0: I was six, or I was 17 into 18. and
1: 18. So I hear that.
0: Well, you know, it is what it is. Death is, we're all gonna die because that's how this world is, is set up to do is we all die. But, you know, I did lose fair, three fairly significant people in my family. In family in a very short amount of time. So it was a little different, you know, knowing that um, I didn't have a grandma, either grandma, but we didn't talk about it. So again, my personal experience with addiction has made me or learned me to believe that a lot of it has to do with just coping skills, not being able to cope with your life and not being able to feel a feeling, which is what I didn't want to do. And that's why I chose narcotics.
1: At what age did you choose narcotics?
0: Well, um, I'd have to do some math, but I think I was 30,
1: wait, 20. um,
0: It was 2011 when, actually 2010, when I'd had a surgery. And then by 2011, I was full on, um, pretty much full on an addiction with um narcotics so I would have been roughly mid-30s
1: so you start your addiction came late in life
0: yeah yeah I suffered from 2011 to 2014
1: looking back do you see anything you know any signs through your high school years or anything like that looking back like tell us Tell us more about high school and growing up in there. Like, how did high school go for you? Because some people, they have, you know, terrible stories about high school and technically some trauma that, you know, might affect them later on in life. You know, we could mm -hmm. kind of talk about that, you know? That's why I always ask those questions.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's a great question Um, for me because my addiction was, well, I mean, I didn't, you know, I was 18, but. It was three years later, I actually got diagnosed with something they call fibromyalgia. And I had been on a plane, three different airplanes, you know, back in the day when you could buy different legs of trips and it was cheaper. So I ended up going to Las Vegas and coming back. And when I got back, I was so tired, I couldn't function. So I went to the doctor and I said, what is going on? Because I was tired and I hurt. And he said, well, I think you have fibromyalgia. Well, this was 96 97 and I'm thinking to myself what is that well it's a widespread pain disorder caused by they don't know so if it's it's kind of a blanket diagnosis for we don't know what's wrong with you but here's a pill so and that yeah and I mean had my life been differently if somebody would have noticed and recognized that you know um, this girl's got coping issues or something of that nature but that never happened so I ended up taking muscle relaxers and, and just medication throughout, you know, my life until I had this big surgery where I felt I was dependent on narcotics because I had incisions. Well, then once that happened, I had to have a blood transfusion and I had an anaphylactic reaction. So from that point, like my health.
1: So anaphylactic, is that um, some type of heart thing?
0: No, it's when you stop breathing. So when you stop it, breathing, it was, I, yeah, it, it, it wasn't like I stopped, stopped. I knew as a nurse what was happening. So I flagged another nurse down to come stop the blood. And next thing I know, you know, they're giving me breathing treatments and the doctor comes up and he's like right in my face. And he's like, Amy, I, he goes, I looked at the slides. He said, you had a true cell to cell reaction. You should have never gotten that blood. And I was like, well, okay, but now what? So then from that point on, my pain just spiraled out of control. And from the bad, I, blood. From the bad blood slash just me not coping, you know, I just, even though I had, you know, gotten, <clears throat> gotten my education, got married, had a business, I mean, and was, you know, in, in management and nursing, I still hadn't gained the coping skills that I needed to, to function. And I think that no matter how traumatizing anybody's past is the biggest the biggest thing that you have to do is to be able to deal with it and move forward and that's a coping skill too so i had <clears throat> kind of gotten myself stuck back into when i had said well i know my mom's dead but i'll never accept her death it just screwed me over because it set me up for many many years of suffering which i've finally you know, May the 8th of 2014 was when I literally got taken to rehab and um, my life has been changed ever since.
1: How did the rehab change your life? Well, I mean, I know the feeling.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was one of those things where my dad and my aunt and my sister showed up to get me And they come to the door because my husband has just come in the house three hours later and said he wants a divorce and I knew nothing about it. So I was basically in active addiction being told I was going to get a divorce by my husband and my family's there to pick me up to take me to rehab. I didn't even know I had a problem. So I um, ended up packing a bag and they dropped me off about an hour away from here and I was in shock. You know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to behave. I, I was only in rehab five days because I wasn't staying there. It was a hellhole, And I was, they didn't know who I was and I wasn't going to stay there. And I was convinced of that. And by the fifth day, my sister, two sisters and my dad came and got me and I handed them the same two Ziploc bags. I walked into rehab with and said, here, I'm no longer in charge of this part of my life, but you are. We came home, and my sisters flushed all the drugs that I had, and I was on 12 different prescriptions, and I came off of them, and now all I take is vitamins.
1: What were the 12 different prescriptions for? Um, you don't have well, to pay them one by one. But right. Is it for anxiety? Well, is it, what's it for?
0: I I got trapped in that, you know, the physician that I got everything from was a neighbor, but I mean, that's not here nor there. Um, every time I went in one symptom, got another pill. So, you know, I was on medication for migraines. Well, when I got a migraine, I got nauseated. Okay. Let's give you a pill for that too. You know, I was basically polypharmacy and the day, the very day that I went to rehab, I'd had lunch with my doctor and I'd also had acupuncture and I'd had a massage therapy because I had all this physical pain but I didn't know why so rehab made me realize that I turned emotional pain into physical therefore becoming reliant on some pain medicine and I knew when I took the pain medicine there was I couldn't get off of it but I knew I couldn't live without it because I had all this pain and it took that you know initial 48 hours really for my whole body to go through withdrawals where I finally figured out wow you're this is okay so I literally, um, on the Sunday that I was in the rehab, I laid my, my jacket on the ground and I said, God, either take me with you or make me better. Cause I'm not going to do this. And he made me better. So here I am.
1: So what were some of the specific things you did in rehab? I mean, cause like my, my rehab was same thing, I'm correct with them, saved my life. I only stayed seven days like you. I, was, I didn't stay the whole thing. Mine was because COVID had just broken out. And I said to myself, I don't know if they're going to quarantine this place, and I don't want to be stuck here for like months. <laughs> you know, that's what I said. So I was like, I'm going to chance it. They all said, and I understood where they were coming from, saying, mm-hmm. statistically speaking, you're like 75% doomed. Um, right. But I've made it so far. Well,
0: they, they told me that I was, um, I was probably not going to be successful because my family wanted me to stay the 30 days. And yeah. I called my sisters and I said, did you want me to stay the 30 days? Cause I'm not going to like, I'm done. And they were like, no, you don't have to. And so I did do some intense outpatient therapy where I went to family group, but <clears throat> the thing that, that sets me or that gives me the most Probably amount of um, what I got from rehab was I kind of we had this room that we all had to set in, and that's where our classes were. Well, I <clears throat> I looked around at people after they were telling me these crazy stories of the things that have been happening to them, and they're from places like Kansas City, St. Louis, and I'm in a smaller town in the middle of the United States, in, in the middle of Missouri, and I'm thinking, wow, these people are having all these experiences. This, this could be me too this is not you this is not where you're going this is not how you're meant to live your life you need to get it together and at the same time i'm writing down <clears throat> the the 12 is it the 12 i want to say 12 commandments but that's not it it's the uh-huh. it's the 12 steps and so i'm i'm writing each one of those down in my notebook and i'm thinking about all of them and i'm just like this is not this is not where i need to be like i i didn't know i had a problem you tell me i have a problem i'm done like, let's figure this out. And so me and my counselor afterwards, um, that, you know, that took a minute too, because I'd go to him and we'd have these hour long sessions and I'd just be sitting there babbling about nothing. And then finally, one day it's like, oh my God, it just came out. You know, my mother's death basically just, just stuck me. You know, I didn't know any different and I would go to family group there um, at this place here in town, and we would sit there and talk to the families. And, and it was absolutely fascinating to me because I heard real true coping skills on how to live your life from other people. And that's, the family group is honestly what saved my life more than anything, I think, because it was really, I mean, it wasn't like it was bonding. It was just relating that I wasn't alone. So I was fired from my job as a registered nurse because they thought I was calling in narcotics for myself I wasn't, it was for a coworker, but they fired me. And so that has to stay on my my nursing license for the rest of my life. So I have to explain each and every time I apply for a job, what it is I've got going on with, you know, this 2011, six months of probation, everybody wants to know why. And so when I got fired, I felt really alone and really insecure. And I thought I was the only one that this had happened to. And I've found out since then where I got fired from, they still don't necessarily have a great policy about it. Um, and it's a healthcare institution with a mental illness facility on the north or on the west end of it. So it's kind of upsetting because I think people back in even 2014 didn't wanna recognize how much addiction was an issue. Well, addiction is number one, was the number one killer before COVID came along. And now because of the social isolation and the things that people are having to go through, I've heard that, you know, it's just skyrocketing. So I don't know if that's technically really the case or we we listen to everything we hear on the news, but um, it's it's a it's a medical issue that people don't really realize how severe it is.
1: Yeah, and absolutely. I, I've done a ton of research, a ton of research and stuff like that. and. There's a lot of questioning about whether or not it's a disease. The thing is, there are some things on both sides that I agree with and I don't agree with. And, mm-hmm. But I, I do believe it's something. Our brains are different because it's, it's not a coincidence that there's millions of us who share the same symptoms. Obviously, there's something causing those symptoms. Most likely, what causes symptoms like that is a disease or a disorder.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, that, in my mind. I could be wrong. That's like the way I
0: think. Well, I think that um, there are people that are going to be predispositioned because of genetics or, um, you know, they just fall victim to it. I want to say that I literally fell victim to addiction in a very innocent way um, because it started out so simply. It And it was, it was pills prescribed by my doctor, but what they really did was take away the pain that I had in my head. And the pain was from not feeling the feelings of, well, first, of course, it was the death of my mother, but over the years, things had accumulated. And so I just wasn't dealing properly with them because I didn't know how to. So I can go back and lay blame to my childhood And whatever it is I want to do, but I'm going to own 50% of the responsibility of the fact that I didn't know what I didn't know. I do now, so I'm going to do better. And that's where the difference comes in, you know, every day. The only thing that I really want to do tomorrow is be a better person than I was today. So that takes a lot of work and time and effort to get to, but you have to forgive yourself for what you didn't know. And I always like to say forgiveness is a gift to you from you because you can forgive. You don't forget, but that's not the point. The point is to move past the lesson and learn what you have to, to move forward in life rather than staying stuck in the same repetitive, you know, addictions of something. I believe we all have addictions of something. I mean, it's just the way we're built. It's the way we're programmed. There's no way to help it. And the, the biggest, you know, the the brain is the biggest organ in the body, yet we know the least about it about it. You know, you go in for a heart attack, they got you. You go in for a kidney stone, they got you. You go in for addiction and it's like, oh well, um wow, we gotta get to the root cause of the problem of why you were using drugs because the drugs aren't the problem. They're it's the symptom that something's wrong. Yep. And so that also is Something important, I think, for people to realize, because until you do, the cycle is just going to keep on proliferating. That's what it's going to, that's what it does. We have to educate people on how this works. Just because you didn't go have a heart attack and you needed cardiac rehab doesn't mean you don't have addiction and need follow-up. You know, there's no follow-up for us. So I think people in recovery like to help one another because it's a naturally, you um, It's just, it just comes natural because somebody's had to help us get to where we are. And for me, a lot of it has been Facebook, a lot of good groups, um, a lot of good coping skills coming from other people that I read stuff about and just how they're kind of all on this own little healing journey. And I still kind of feel like for me, that's me too, because there's things of my past that I just, I have to let out, but you know, it's all a part of just getting better every day.
1: Absolutely. And doing stuff like this is a great way to get, you know, your, your feelings out. Some emotions. A lot of people tell me that, you know, sometimes they're talking about stuff they haven't even realized, you know, that was still in their brain, mm-hmm. you know, um, going back to childhood a little bit and going, progressing through life. What were your friendships like? Um,
0: I've always had good friendships with people. Okay. I was a clinic supervisor for 11 years. And of all the people that I still, su- that I supervised, I'm still friends with today. I never, um, I moved to this town um, by myself and only knew one person. Now I've been here 27 years and oh, wow. I've, I know a lot of people,
1: <laughs>
0: a lot, a lot of people.
1: That's good. It's good to have community.
0: It is. And I I do recognize and realize over the years, there are some people that are just toxic and you have to let go of them and you have to. um, I've also figured out with my addiction is that you have to be you have to love yourself more than you love anything else, because you're the only person that you're ever going to grow old with. So just be be good to yourself, you know. Be happy, be loving, be free, but be with yourself first before you can really be with anybody else. You know, I know a lot of people, I mean, I had to deal with the fact that not only did I suffer from addiction, I had a huge divorce to go through and well, oh, it's, it's complicated and I'll tell you, so I I'm, I'm going, I'm in the middle of my recovery and I'm going through this divorce and my attorney needs a number out of my Taxes. And so I'm looking through them one night on a Sunday night, and I get halfway through and I'm like, what's this? Well, it's a whole nother stack of paperwork that's all um, W 2s. And I get to flipping through them, and I'm thinking, W 2s from the Ala Capri, what does this mean? Well, I researched a little further, and my um, husband at the time had decided that, you know, although he left me for my narcotic addiction, He went and developed his own. He's a gambler, and he spent a lot of money, a lot of my money, and um, I I had to I had to get past that. So I'm fresh into it, out of addiction, learning. You know, I'm getting this divorce, and then I find that my ex husband was husband at the time is an addict too. He's wasted three hundred thousand dollars, and I can't do anything about it. So I'm, I'm fit to be tied. My lawyer files a restraining order prohibiting him from going to the boat, but that didn't last long. And he was back to gambling. But the silver lining is I'm divorced and I'm not married to a gambler. So I have to have um, had a lot of courage in me to be able to to move past that. And then now yeah. that's my kids you know they're 16 and 18 and they see their father having addiction so they so were too young to he's really the father's
1: mutual is he mm-hmm. the blood father yep okay
0: <clears throat> so you know he um he doesn't uh, so when I found those papers I went straight to him and of course he denied having an issue he still does and that was in 2017 And so he's still gambling, still doing it as much as he can. And the kids know about it. And I'm not going to lie to them because I don't feel like you should ever lie to anybody. I, in fact, I can't tell a lie if I tried, but you know, I just want my children to be able to understand it's, it is a disease because I know the person that he is would have never gambled away that kind of money unless he was not sick. So I can, you know, I I can just about debate on any level, anybody wants to, but that's true fact. And I think he went to the casino as a time filler and he just got sucked in. Well, I took narcotics because I had pain, post-op pain, normal post-op pain, and I got sucked in. So, and when I say that, it's not like, you know, you're not being sucked into a machine, but you might as well be. Cause you're not being an addiction. You're not who you are. That, that addiction is driving your bus. You're there, <clears throat> but you're not there. Cause you're always seeking that next little, you know, feel good moment where you don't have to feel your life. And if people understood how simple it was, I mean, I know it's different for everybody and my story is different too, but I don't crave anything. I don't want that kind of life. I want to be present in every single solitary moment of my life. I know when I got out of rehab, I went to Walmart and I felt raindrops on my skin for the first time in, Uh you know, several years. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have been missing out on this. And, you know, a lot of things had to come together for me, for me to be able to figure that out. But but truly, I will. I always say this with the uh, most sincerity. I mean, he saved my life by leaving me. So I can't be mad at that.
1: You said that the rehab saved your life?
0: No, my ex-husband actually saved my your life for, for leaving me. But it was rehab that I went to that did save my life ultimately. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, one couldn't have gotten in front of the other. So
1: Understood. Yeah. So when you were using... Did you always have your own source or, or I'm sorry, your source of income? Or were you, because were you always employed as a nurse or were there periods where you weren't?
0: No, no. I've, I always have been employed the entire time.
1: So you, okay. So you were good enough that you never got caught really.
0: Um, I mean, I did because they, you know, they, they fired me for calling on a prescription. They thought it was for me. Um, and it wasn't, but they never, they didn't know that. And so technically, yeah, I mean, that was my getting caught, if you will, moment. It was very scary. And it, and like I said, I wish that I wouldn't have felt like I was so alone when that happened.
1: Yeah. So what do you talk about, or what can I ask you as far as um, advice? Do you have any advice for people that might be listening, might be watching?
0: Um <laughs> yeah, I think that the uh the biggest thing that you can do. So, you know, I've lived both sides. I've been I've been an addict, now I'm family of an addict. And I think that, you know, back when I was going through rehab, they kept saying for the people that were the family, you know. Just take care of you. Just take care of you. The addict's going to do whatever the addict wants to do. And I still believe that to a degree, but I also believe never underestimate the power of planting a seed and be truthful. Um, You know, if you are in active addiction, people know it. If you're not, they know it too, because, you know, we can sense those things most of the time, but don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to other people love yourself more. And, you know, once you figure out that being healthy, you can get addicted to becoming healthy and healing, and then you want to help heal other people. And, you know, there's no harm in that as long as you make sure you've got yourself healed, but healing really is an ongoing process because there are triggers everywhere that people are going to encounter. And that's just life, you know, what kind How of got to deal with it.
1: What kind of triggers for example?
0: Um, just the fact that you know they haven't dealt with something that they needed to and they don't want to have to worry about it or think about it they want to just go like you know get get high or do whatever it is they do and not have to think about real life and and really that's not okay you've got to be thinking about real life yeah you've got to be present in the moment
1: understood So. What do you do as far as everyday recovery? Is there any type of meditation your thing? Is there any type of prayer? What's like a daily day like?
0: Well, most of the time I am at home and I have a big jacuzzi for a bathtub and I also have a hot tub. Nice. So, yes. Oh, I'm so, so
1: jealous of you. I'm so <laughs> jealous of you.
0: My, my thing is water. And, you know, they talk about grounding yourself Being in nature, walking barefoot on the earth, um, sitting next to a tree, all those things that are good for you. It's been too cold for that, but I've been in the hot tub and I've been in the bathtub and using my Epsom salts. And I love crystals now to help heal because I don't take any medicine. So um, I'm just I'm all about just naturopathic ways of healing CBD. I think that's a tremendous um, value to a lot of people in recovery because it's not an actual drug but i, I mean, use cbd
1: yeah. i do the drops under my tongue
0: yep it's perfect
1: it's like you said it's just for me personally i have adhd so it helps me focus because i am mm-hmm. you know people say the squirrel brain right here you're looking at it absolutely yep. super squirrel <laughs> i have a superman jacket on while i'm a squirrel.
0: You're
1: hyped Um, up. Yeah, I get it. I I get it all the time that I could be very intense. Especially when I'm focused on something and I want it done. I want it done yesterday. Yep.
0: Nope, I get you. I'm the same way sometimes.
1: Yeah. That's uh, all the questions I got for you today. Is there anything else you want to add in here? Anything else you want these people to know that are listening and watching?
0: Um. You know, I just want them to know that don't ever suffer alone um, because there are people out there in your same situation and you just have to reach out, talk to the right people, get, get some help. You know, it's nice to hear other people's advice, although just remember, it's always just advice. You have to choose what you want to believe because, again, you're you and you have to spend the rest of your life with you. So um just be good to you. It always circles back around to that and have, have love in your heart for yourself, but then everybody else as well too. That's
1: great. That's an absolute fantastic way to end this episode. I want to thank you real quick before I end it. Thank you so much, Amy. You're welcome. All right. And for everyone listening and watching, I hope you enjoyed what you saw and heard today. If you want, go below, give us a like, also subscribe. You can also check us out on Reddit, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, We have a free account on Patreon. You don't have to pay anything for that. Also Facebook and under our group, there is an events tab you click on. It'll tell you all about our Zoom meetings with the ID and password and the link that you need to get in. So thanks for listening. And that's all I got. So until next time.